the largest Bitcoin gathering in Europe, larger than Bitcoin Amsterdam. Uh, the ambition is for us to have 10,000 people. And uh, it's an international conference held in English. And why in Prague? That's because the first Bitcoin conference in the world happened in Prague in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, Max Kaiser was there. And he sometimes repeats that on Twitter that I'm here in 2011 uh, having a talk about Bitcoin. And that was in Prague. So uh, this is sort of back to the roots after 12 years. Uh, the largest Bitcoin gathering in Europe is going to happen in June in Prague. Welcome to One Love Bitcoin. I'm your host, Dredd, and welcome back. My goal is to go around the world and talk to one Bitcoiner from every country and learn a thing or two along the way. This week, we're going to be going to Czech Republic, or Czechia, as they call it. And we're going to be speaking with Joseph Tetek, a Bitcoiner and a podcaster in Czech Republic that also works for Trezor. We talked about Czech Republic as a country, the center of Europe, and Prague, the center of the Czech Republic. So Prague is like the heart of Europe, basically. And we talked about a lot of different things, ranging from self-custody, um, the awareness of the Czech people. The Czech people are very, very well aware of Bitcoin. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that there is a place in, in Europe that not only the, the people, but the governments, the banks, everybody seems to have a, a bit of understanding as to what Bitcoin is and what it means for humanity. If you're in the Czech Republic, you can check out Trezor. They create amazing hardware wallets and general bytes. They do other products, ATMs, etc. And also, that's where Slush Pool is and Brain Spools. So if you're a miner, that's where you can get a lot of your mining firmware. But anyway, full joy this one, people. And as usual, one love. in the prison industrial complex Ingersoll houses for green projects my grandfather was the connect uncle the muscle my father's ambition was committed to the hustle the everyday struggle is a catch 22 contribute to the genocide or you could die too survival of a few to never say what you won't do if that bitch poverty come for you <laughs> many lessons i learned my respect was all earned, blocks I burned without a lot of concern. But when the court is adjourned and the gavel holds your fate, you realize brutal and beautiful share the same face. We share the same place, a good four square blocks. And a box of cracking cops trying not to get shot. Maybe make it out the pot before the lid is on top. I'd rather rot than to not buy my freedom, chase the guap. Signaling me up, no, I made believers out of all who saw it differently. All the shit they sent to me became a never mind, and it inspired them to mimic me. But fuck if they define what I did for me. I did for me what I did for you. Took it to me more and treated it like nothing else matters as long as the beat on. Cause all of this could have turned into a different aim. It could have turned into my young and missing his place, but never that. Nah. Just when you say nah. 
And tell me if I'm saying your name correctly, Joseph Tetek. Or Tetek? Yeah, that's good. It's Tetek. It's, how how uh, do you say it? Uh, Joseph Tetek. Tetek. It's uh, Tetek. There's like a soft E. Uh, it's this E with a hook mm -hmm. over it. And it's if, uh, it makes the T like softer. So it's Tetek. Oh, like a TH in English, kind of. Like Tetek. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Joseph Tetek. Welcome to One yeah. Love Bitcoin, Virgin. I'm glad to have you here. The first person from the Czech or Czechia, Czechia. I don't know. See, I don't know how to say any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the full name of the country is uh, Czech Republic, and mm -hmm. it's shortened to Czechia. And Czechia. the Czechia, uh, that's like 10 years old, uh, the term Czechia. Mm. Uh, before that, it was very like informal to call the Czech Republic Czechia, but now it's formalized, so you can say Czechia. Okay. Okay. Czech Republic, formerly Czech Republic, also Czechia. Um, I realized yeah. it was like in dead center of Europe. Like there's Europe and then there's the Czech Republic in center of Europe. And then there's Prague in the center of the Czech Republic. So it's like, you're like dead center of civilization over there. Um, right. Right. We actually uh, call Prague like uh, the heart of Europe. Mm -hmm. That's very fitting. So Tell me about Czech Republic, but before that, tell me about Joseph. Like, tell me who you are. Tell the people who you are, because hopefully a lot of people from Czech Republic will be listening and watching. So tell them who you are. Tell them um, how you got into Bitcoin. What's your story? Yeah, right. So um, if any people from Czech Republic are watching, they probably already know me because uh, I run my own Bitcoin podcast uh, that's in Czech. And I also wrote uh, a book on Bitcoin that's called uh, Bitcoin, the separation of money and state. It's not very uh, original, the title, but uh, it, it works. And um, yeah, so I've been doing uh, like Bitcoin education, Bitcoin kind of stuff for, let's say, five years now, contributing to various magazines, uh, first in Czech, then I started contributing to uh, Bitcoin magazine in English. And for the past two years, I've been working for Trezor, advocating for Bitcoin for self-custody, security and privacy. And these topics are becoming ever more interesting and pressing, uh, especially in the past couple of months. And finally, people are taking, uh, taking notes. They are finally waking up to the fact that you actually need to self-custody your Bitcoin. So Bitcoin self-custody, that's my topic. And also libertarianism, Austrian economics. That's uh, what I sort of did before I, before I discovered Bitcoin. I've been a big like, uh, libertarian activist and writer and thinker uh, before Bitcoin. And that basically led me to understand Bitcoin fairly early on. I see. Yeah, a lot of people who come from Austrian economics seem to have almost a direct line of understanding to, to you know, the, the, true, the true value of Bitcoin and the true impact that it's going to have. Um, but, but the question I would have for you is, is um, around you know, how, how you first, you know, realized Bitcoin was, was like, you know, what it is, like, what was your, what was your aha moment? What was your orange pilling moment? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. Um, so honestly, I discovered Bitcoin um, without buying any in, I believe, 2011, because I heard uh, someone explaining Bitcoin on an econ talk, uh, an old economics podcast. And I thought, well, it sounds interesting, but um, I basically forgot about it like uh, in, a, in a week uh, because it sounded sort of like Liberty Reserve or eGold. And there were a lot of projects I remember e that sounded oh, like... Yeah. It sounded like Bitcoin back then, around 2010. Uh, and High yield were, investment products, right? I call them. Yeah. 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 And like eGold was uh, legit. Uh, Liberty Reserve wasn't that legit. That uh, uh, The author behind Liberty Reserve was uh, sentenced to 20 years for money laundering. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I sort of um, kept on... Um, running into Bitcoin. Uh, I heard about WikiLeaks uh, accepting Bitcoin in 2011. 
I remember reading interviews with uh, Dread Pirate Roberts from Silk mm -hmm. Road. I remember uh, Russ Ulbricht's trial, um, and that was crazy. And I thought uh, when Silk Road was uh, busted and uh, Mt. Gox collapsed, I thought that was basically the end of Bitcoin, and I still didn't own any back then. So I was thinking like, okay, it's good that I didn't uh, invest anything because it's like uh, Liberty Reserve and E-Gold, it just collapses under its own weight or it's uh, busted in the end by, by the feds. And then surprisingly in 2015, 2016, it didn't die. <laughs> like uh, that's the usual story with Bitcoin. So yeah. I started to pay more attention and um, a lot of libertarians uh, after the Mt. Gox uh, so-called collapse started to wake up to the fact that it's here to stay and there is actually that there is some merit behind it and it could actually be um, the fulfillment of our vision of the separation of money and state so i've been on that path for let's say seven years now mm -hmm. uh, i dabbled in some altcoins in some like uh, nasty stuff i got burned so i became a bitcoin maximalist after that and uh so many like high quality books, podcasts, articles are being made in the past like three years that yeah. wasn't there like seven years ago. Um, so right now it's uh, much uh, more straightforward to people if they are paying attention to understand what Bitcoin actually means. And uh, I want to be part of uh, like the teacher on the side of Bitcoin. I'm always a student of Bitcoin, but I also went through, uh, through my books, podcasts, uh, uh, conference talks and stuff like that to educate people about what it actually means uh, that Bitcoin is here, that it's here to stay and what kind of problems it fixes. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as we probably discussed, it's more obvious for people, let's say in Africa or other countries than in Europe. But even people in Europe or United States uh, need Bitcoin, even if they don't realize it yet. Yeah, and they'll probably be the last to realize it because they're um, higher up on that on that scale of need, right? Or it's lower yeah, down on the yeah. scale of need. Yeah, I would say uh, depends on the country. Mm -hmm. uh, there are even in European Union or Europe, there are a lot of differences uh, between the countries. Uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia is fairly Bitcoinized, I would say, bottom-up. It's all bottom-up. Uh, the establishment is no friend of Bitcoin. The central banks either don't care, which is good, that's yeah. uh, how it is in Czech Republic, or they are openly hostile towards it, which is uh, in our neighboring country, Slovakia. But um, the population... Um, partially gets it. Not everybody gets it, but mm. uh, I, I would say in Czech Republic, um, the portion of population that holds some Bitcoin or is in some way exposed to it is much higher than many Western countries. And there are multiple factors uh, that cause that. And we can go into it if you want. Yeah, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Like, and and also, um, what what is what do you think the state's doing to try and counteract that narrative, you know, I mean, in Jamaica, they have CBDCs. I'm pretty sure Europe is trying to do the same thing. Like, how are they trying to, you know, get people to to stay in the in that fiat system? Right. So, um, again, there are quite uh, quite many differences in between individual countries. Uh, I can imagine European Union seems like uh, like sort of United States kind of thing if you look from outside, but from the inside, uh, I feel like a Czech. I don't feel like a citizen of the European Union. Mm. Uh, of course, it has some benefits, like you got this Schengen space, so you can cross uh, across the countries without any border controls. But mm. otherwise, uh, I feel like a Czech. Uh, we have our own national currency, which I consider uh, better fiat than euro okay. uh, and for example slovaks uh, slovak republic they have euro so they are uh, so they have quite different uh, circumstances uh, for example uh, as to your question czech national bank they have this stance we don't care about bitcoin you can do anything you want with it but don't come crying to us if you get scammed or anything yep. which is fine 
which yep. is uh, that's a good approach, I would say. If there are like obvious scams, uh, the police takes care, of course, but mm -hmm. the Czech National Bank uh, doesn't get involved. Uh, European Central Bank, that's a different story. They are openly hostile to Bitcoin, and uh, they even published recently some kind of like study in quotes because it's a, it's a hit piece basically yeah. that uh, Bitcoin is. Uh, uh, like destroying the environment, undermining uh, uh, the euro, undermining the legitimacy of the currency, and we basically cannot have that. Yeah. And of course, the ECB is working on the CBDC. The Czech National Bank doesn't have any such plans. And um, yeah, regarding Czech National Bank, I sometimes call it like um, my favorite national uh, central bank because uh, they are actually quite enlightened about a lot of stuff. I know some people from Czech National Bank who understand Austrian economics are quite libertarian, even understand Bitcoin to some extent, and um, they are not like this typical bureaucrat kind of person type. So uh, if it stays like that in Czech Republic, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, the danger uh, to Bitcoiners in Europe comes from uh, European Commission, European Parliament, and European Central Bank. Uh, not so much in Czech Republic from our local government. What uh, our local uh, politicians do is uh, there are taxes imposed on Bitcoin. It's 15% on uh, capital gains, mm -hmm. which isn't like too bad uh, because in Slovakia it's around 40% or something. Wow. It's, uh, it's crazy uh, because you have to pay capital gains plus uh, social and security uh, like benefit payments or how is it called? Yeah, Insurance. social security payments mm, for retirees. Yeah. yeah, but that's on like capital gains. Like, it's totally nonsensical. And I don't think any other financial instrument actually has that treatment. But Bitcoin does in Slovak Republic, which is our neighbor. Not so... Uh, it's like unrealized gains are they're basically taxing, like ta gains that... Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, doesn't make any sense. And for example, in uh, Germany, our another neighbor from the West, uh, they have uh, a time test. So if you hold Bitcoin, I believe it's for three years, maybe even one year, you don't mm -hmm. pay any tax. Okay. So the, the treatment, uh, the tax treatment of Bitcoin across Europe is very different country, country to country. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, then again, uh, like even if you consider tax treatments, uh, I would have a problem living in Germany to undergo this uh, time test because then you have the, to have the KYC Bitcoin. Then you have to have uh, like a receipt for when you bought the Bitcoin. Right. Uh, and I'm not a friend of KYC. <laughs> I'm not a yeah. fan of KYC. So um, yeah, if we, um, if maybe like some anecdote how, how it works in Czech Republic. Um, as I said, uh, a lot of people in Czech Republic uh, have some exposure to Bitcoin and have quite a good understanding of Bitcoin. And the factors uh, that influence that is uh, Trezor, uh, the company I work for, the mm -hmm. original hardware wallet that came out in 2013, so quite early on. That's uh, mm -hmm. nine years ago now. And uh, people around Trezor were uh, always quite vocal about Bitcoin and what it means and how to secure it properly. Also, uh, General Binds, the ATM company, is from Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. uh, Slush Pool, the first uh, public mining pool, is from Czech Republic. That's managed by Brains, uh, which is a Czech company. And uh, Parallel Polis, uh, I believe that was the world's first Bitcoin coffee. Uh, that's from Czech Republic as well, that emerged in 2015. Bitcoin coffee, so, I think I heard that one before. Yeah, Bitcoin Coffee in Prague. Uh, okay. Yeah, and they host uh, the Hackers Congress. Okay. So, so a uh, lot of like Bitcoin infrastructure comes from Czech Republic, and a lot of uh, like a lot of Bitcoin education in our local language in Czech or Slovak uh, was being done like eight, seven years ago, uh, and it's 
become sort of part of the mainstream as well. Uh, we, as Bitcoiners, are sometimes uh, invited to mainstream media. Uh, the journalists are quite informed already. Yeah. So uh, in general, Bitcoin has uh, a good uptake here, right? Uh, which isn't the case necessarily in places like, I don't know, Belgium, UK, like uh, the approach to Bitcoin there is probably quite different from us. We understand self-custody, we understand privacy, and we understand, uh, for example, why getting non-KYC Bitcoin matters. Mm -hmm. uh, and we actually uh, have an app launched by Satoshi Labs, the parent company of uh, Trezor, mm -hmm. recently that uh, basically connects uh, people that are interested in buying or selling Bitcoin uh, privately, there are no, uh, there is no ID involved. There is no escrow. It's just a way for people to connect. It's called Wexel. And yeah, um, I definitely want yeah, to hear more I, about I, that too. <laughs> that was pretty exciting when you told me about that one earlier. Right, and um, so what I'm getting at is uh, checks basically sort of get Bitcoin if they um, if they are willing to pay attention to it. Um, and part of the reason is uh, our monetary history. Mm -hmm. I always like to uh, explain that whenever I'm talking about Bitcoin to Czechs, Slovaks, or anywhere else, uh, anywhere, anyone who's willing to listen to boring Czech monetary history, but it's quite, uh, quite right. Because uh, in the past 130 years, we had seven different uh, monetary regimes, seven different currencies. Wow. So roughly every 20 years, there's a new currency. And it's, this is heart of Europe. This is like quite a civilized territory, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there are places like where you would say, okay, this is uh, like a volatile territory with some war going on. War-torn country, yeah. Yeah, but Czech Republic isn't, <laughs> and, uh, never was a war-torn country. But what happened is, um, first, we had uh, gold and silver coins, of course, under the monarchy until the first world war mm -hmm. under uh, after the first world war um the connection to gold was sort of severed mm -hmm. uh, you could only exchange the banknotes in large denominations like for a brick of gold which no like ordinary citizens were able to because it's too variable yeah so uh the currency was still sort of linked to gold and we had uh silver coins uh, in 20s and 30s, uh, but uh, there was this gradual like fading out of, big, of gold. Yeah. Uh, then the Nazis came in 1939. Uh, they occupied uh, Czechoslovakia back then. And of course they stole all the gold. Uh, mm -hmm. Bank for International Settlement uh, helped them in that uh, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, they aided them because uh, uh, the Czechoslovakian government back then uh, was aware that this invasion is probably coming. So the gold was stored in London, in okay. uh, like the neutral place. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was in some way, I don't remember the details now, in some way it was uh, managed by Bank for International Settlements. And when Ch Czechoslovakia was occupied by the Nazis, they officially became the owners of the gold in London. and the bank for international settlements happily uh, handed what? it over. What? The CIS gave yeah. the gold to Germany? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, Nazi, to, to Nazis, yeah. Wild. And it, it took like 40 years then to get some of it back. Not all of it was returned, but some of it was returned. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was uh, the Second World War. Uh, a lot of gold was stolen from Czechs. Um, after the war, uh, there was uh, like a provisionary uh, monetary regime for like three years. Uh, then the communists came to power in 1953. They did a monetary reform, which was um, like a targeted uh, liquidation of uh, small entrepreneurs, small businesses, savers. Uh, because if you weren't uh, aligned with the communist party, you got an exchange rate of like... Um, one crown for 20 previous crowns, but if you were part of the 
Communist Party, you got like one crown for 10 previous crowns, right? Mm -hmm. there, there was this uh, shenanigans with the exchange rate. So uh, people were pretty much robbed again <laughs> by the communists, uh, by the other side of the spectrum. Mm. And uh, then in 1993, uh, finally, uh, the current Czech crown uh, emerged. Uh, so the current monetary regime has been here for 30 years. Uh, right now, our inflation rate is about 20%. There are talks, wow. of, adopting, yeah. there are talks of adopting euro. And that's what I always um, like um, warn people about. Okay, so you are investing in some pension funds. You are trying to save in Czech crowns, but consider this history. And it would be, it's very unlikely that Czech crown is going to be here in 20 years, because that's just not how things are done around here. <laughs> and people are usually like recipient to that because they didn't really think about that. People don't really think about stuff that happened more than 20, 30 years ago. And right now we are in quite a stable monetary environment, but still mm -hmm. the inflation is surprisingly high right now. It was like one to two percent for the past decade. But okay, now, I'm going to ask why you thought yeah. that your currency was better than the euro. But if it's only one to two percent, then that makes sense. It used to be fine. Like yeah, uh, yeah, it used to be a very low inflation currency. But um, yeah, now it's like everywhere else. A lot of money was printed. A uh, lot of supply was restricted by uh, the government uh, lockdowns mm -hmm. stuff like that uh, a lot of money was handed out and now the inflation is biting us in the ass and uh, people are finally paying attention to bitcoin as a long-term store of value uh, it's kind of hard to argue for that in the bear market but if you like explain it with this long-term um, uh, long-term perspective both from like uh, the past history and from the future uh, ex 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 expectations, yeah, uh, people get it usually. Yeah. Okay, and I can see how it, it could be. It's a much more relevant uh, as a store of value for people in that situation. But how is Lightning understanding and Lightning adoption there in Czech? Like, do people consider it as uh, a medium of exchange in any way? I know that's still really early in general. For Bitcoin to be considered that, but is anybody using it to buy stuff, or is there any kind of circular economy happening there? Right. Um, so in Europe and US and places like that with uh, fairly good um, like financial systems, mm -hmm. uh, Bitcoin is hard to understand as a medium of exchange. Uh, in places like Africa, it's quite obvious because yeah. you don't have PayPal, you don't have uh, debit credit cards. A lot of people don't even have bank accounts. A lot of people cannot even open bank accounts. Uh, it's hard to get any cross-border payments uh, across. In Czech Republic, everything works. Actually, um, Czechs are very, um, they love like these fintech stuff. Uh, I believe uh, when Apple Pay was introduced here, uh, it was one of the fastest uh, uptake uh, updates in the world. Like uh, everybody started using uh, Immediately. whoever yeah. had iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we don't really need Bitcoin for payments. That's uh, just the uh, just a fact. Uh, so, but then again, people are quite uh, technically uh, proficient here. So uh, Lightning is well-known. Uh, mm -hmm. Podcasters like me and the other podcasters are talking about Lightning. Uh, we do like BTC Pay server tutorials. Uh, running your own node is quite popular in Czech Republic. And mm -hmm. now you have these like Umbrals and MyCitadel. And uh, there's even like a Slovakian project like uh, putting all the infrastructure in one box. And Lightning is a big part of that. Um, we even have like lightning ATMs. Uh, mm. I thought there are... was only a, a one lightning ATM that was out of Australia, maybe. I didn't know there was another company that made lightning ATMs yet. Yeah. Um, well, in Czech Republic, people are hobbyists. Like a lot ah. of people like to okay. um, like to uh, DIY your own stuff. So mm. 
we do have our own um, Lightning ATM, but it's not a business. It's a, it's a hobby project. Yeah. It, you can see it at the conferences, at meetups. It's called uh, Bleskomat, which is a check for like Lightning Mat. Mm -hmm. Blesk is Lightning in Czech. And it works with coins, which is very cool, cool because you can uh, buy uh, like 100 sets worth of uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> so yes. it's, it's, um, it's perfect for onboarding people because they put in just one crown, which is like a couple of cents. And so you don't lose anything and you see that it works immediately and then you can buy some stuff with it. Uh, we Pretty even cool. have uh, like a um, working progress app uh, for Raffle, like Tombola Raffle. Uh, you know, when one. you're at a, yeah. Uh, oh, like a lottery type thing, but a raffle. Like lottery, yeah, okay. yeah. So you can buy like uh, lottery tickets for Lightning, uh, when, for example, when you're at a meetup. And there are some prizes like a treasure, some t-shirt, stuff like that. And uh, it's a good way to uh, explore Lightning and how it works. Also, there's a cool project. It's called Sheep Tangle. Uh, you can feed sheep via lightning. <laughs> There's a, a camera pointed at sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like the chicken one, right? So, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Czechs do all kind of crazy stuff with lightning. Um, but we are more of a hobbyist than like a lot of these proje projects don't progress to like business stage. Yeah. And uh, some marketing. But yeah, there's one project that comes to mind that's Twitoshi. Uh, that's a uh, Twitter client uh, that integrated uh, Lightning mm -hmm. so that you can, uh, instead of liking liking tweets, you can set tweet. So yeah. you can send some sets uh, uh, to, to twi uh, Twitter. And uh, yeah, it and does works it use, as a... It uses the same Twitter API that they have for, for yeah, Lightning? It's a Twitter API, yeah. Okay, it's very the, nice. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think it's... Uh, it's a Twitter API for the feed. But, but not for right, the lightning for the payment. I don't think for the lightning payment. I okay. think they did uh, their own backend. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I believe they won some pitch contest at uh, Pacific Bitcoin recently. Mm. So, okay. yeah, that's that's uh, an interesting Tweetoshi. project. Yeah. yeah, I definitely remember hearing about all the, from Bleskomat all the way to Tweetoshi. I see them all on Twitter all the time, the different videos or people showing off their their little DIY projects. The, the space yeah. moves so fast. It's really hard to keep up with everything, you know? But um, yeah. in, in, in terms of self-custody, because that's kind of where your space is now, right? Um, I'm guessing yeah. it's the same thing for people in the Czech Republic. They, they, they're very well aware of self-custody as, you know, the best way to hold their Bitcoin. Do you, would you say that pretty much everyone who knows about Bitcoin probably has a hardware wallet there? Or do you think that there are still bad practices? Well, um, there are always uh, newcomers coming in. Mm -hmm. So for people that have been around for a couple of years or that um, tend to do it properly from day one, they uh, get a Trezor. And Trezor has a like a huge market share in Czech Republic because mm -hmm. uh, people love that uh, it has like uh, Czech support and stuff like that. And they tend to know uh, the founders, Slash and Stick. Mm, cool. But uh, yeah, I can see, still see a lot of people uh, in the Czech uh, Bitcoin Facebook group uh, asking about like Coinbase and Binance and uh, mm. they don't, <laughs> a lot of people don't really get it that this is not how you hold Bitcoin. Yeah. But then again, if they ask this question, there will be 10 people saying, just buy Trezor or just download this wallet, just uh, get it out of uh, the exchange, which is good. Like the environment in Czech Republic is uh, quite good. And um, if somebody asks questions about Bitcoin, they will always get very good answers here. That's good. And I can imagine that environment has gotten even better as people become more aware with all the different things that have happened, right? Like the the FTX blow up and the BlockFi blow up, and then the um, even with Luke um, Dash Jr. Yeah, yeah, that's it, right, that's right. And uh, maybe it's true that uh, checks tend to self custody more uh, because I don't recall anybody saying they got burned on BlockFi or FTX. Uh, yeah, I remember, or from time to time, I know 
a lot of people got burned on uh, Mount Gox. There mm -hmm. are like uh, checks that, and maybe that's part of it because people in Czech Republic uh, tend to see like the Mount Gox stories from yeah. time to time because uh, as a lot of Czechs uh, adopted Bitcoin early on, they started on Mount Gox back then. So you can uh, from time to time see these stories that I'm still waiting for my Bitcoin from Mount Gox, not me personally, but a lot of people are saying that. Yeah, I heard um, that. <laughs> So, uh, and I would say I hate Facebook personally, but for Bitcoin in Czech Republic, uh, it's a good asset. Uh, because, because the Czech uh, Bitcoin community uh, on Facebook, it has like maybe 40,000 people now. And the quality of the content is pretty high for, for such a major group. Mm -hmm. uh, you always get like a proper answer proper resources and if somebody is trying to scam people recommend some shit coins or uh, shill some uh, FTX affiliates uh, we just ban them right uh, because we know like what uh, what what makes sense and what's what's nonsense yeah. so yeah I would say the the environment here is pretty cultivated people tend to self-custody and um, What's also quite uh, common in Czech Republic is um, there are exchanges where you send them money and they send you the Bitcoin back. They don't custody the Bitcoin for you. That's and good. this has been the norm uh, since the first exchange, the first Czech exchange came about in like 2012 or 13. So it's been uh, normal for Czechs to not hold their coins on an exchange because the exchange doesn't actually offer the service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you just have to, uh, it's, uh, it, maybe now there's Binance, of course, and uh, the, the foreign exchanges, but the Czech exchanges are from early on, they worked like, okay, so you want to buy some Bitcoin from us, uh, what's your Bitcoin address? You, gave the, you give them the Bitcoin address, then you send the money and, you've got the Bitcoin uh, within a few minutes on your address. So it's how great do they, to self-custody. How do they um, avoid the risk of chargebacks and um, you know, the counterparty risk? Because if they're paying you know, via bank transfer or visa, there's a, a chance that they could claw that back, right? Yeah. Uh, so for um, it's KYC. Like nowadays, it's all KYC. Okay. Um, for, uh, you can still buy non-KYC Bitcoin uh, at some exchanges, but it's really tiny amounts, it's like $100 worth, and they just accept that risk. A lot of uh, scammers uh, target the exchanges. Uh, there are a lot of like uh, fake phone ads uh, yep. where you send money to uh, to the fraudster and he buy, he buy, you actually send uh, your money to an exchange and he gets the Bitcoin. So the exchanges are fighting against that all the time. And uh, sadly, KYC, is the most obvious answer to that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's a double-edged sword, you know, because on the other hand, the KYC could be abused um, if you if you don't if the the institute, the bank, or not the bank, the exchange becomes um, malicious. So, yeah, it's a it's a fine line to walk. I always try to avoid KYC if possible, but like you said, it's not the best solution. The best solution is usually a peer-to-peer -peer exchange, but. Um, Sometimes if you're going yes. to do large-scale exchanges, KYC might be necessary. I still yeah. say no KYC all the, all the time, though. That's, that's always my, mm -hmm. my default advice is no KYC. And then what yeah, do you think, think about uh, mixing? And I, I, mixing. I call it mixing, but, you know, coin joins, collaborative coin spends. Joins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's actually where it might get tricky in terms of uh, regulation. Mm -hmm. um, mostly from the European Union, because it seems like they aren't uh, really um, open to the idea of better privacy mm -hmm. for Bitcoin. Already uh, the narrative that Bitcoin is used for money laundering and uh, sanction evasion and stuff like that, uh, that's being kicked around. Yeah. We have seen that a lot uh, when uh, the war in Ukraine started. So everybody was uh, talking about how Bitcoin will be used for sanction evasion. And I believe with um, CoinJoin uh, getting more traction, this will uh, be even stronger. Yeah. And for us at Trezor, uh, this uh, is uh, this will be something we will need to tackle because we are implementing CoinJoin uh, in Trezor Suite in 
let's say two or three months time. Uh, nice. Uh, right. Uh, we are partnering with our friends at Wasabi. Uh, Wasabi are based in Europe. Uh, so yeah, it's our like common issue that we need to overcome to explain that Bitcoin privacy matters. It's not for criminals, it's for ordinary people. Because how I like to explain it is if you, if I go to a merchant and buy something with my card or with a bank account uh, or with the cash, they don't see how much money I actually have in my account or in my wallet. If I use the fiat system. Right. With Bitcoin, this is not the case. With Bitcoin, if you use it uh, naively, everybody can see in your wallet. Like if I spend from a wallet with one full Bitcoin and buy something for 100,000 Satoshis, the merchant sees I have one Bitcoin, which yeah. uh, isn't comfortable to me. And um, we do not expect that uh, from uh, the legacy system. So why should we have this expectation from Bitcoin? And should it's worse than that, right? Because it's like yeah, they can see your one Bitcoin and they can see all the history of how that one Bitcoin got there yes. too. Mm -hmm. And going forward, and they will point. see all your transactions. Yeah. So uh, we should level the field and we should have more private Bitcoin. Like, because it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense. Like you, you shouldn't uh, like, let's say the law enforcement has some role in society. They are bad guys, right? and they should try to catch these bad guys and all, all that. Um, but that doesn't mean you need to completely erase the privacy. That doesn't mean you need to have uh, like uh, pull down the curtains everywhere and uh, have totally transparent email accounts and stuff like that. So why, why should the financial sector be any different? Why should uh, the work of law enforcement be done by banks and financial institutions and uh, let's say virtual asset services providers as they, as, uh, they are called. Mm -hmm. Like let the judges and the police do their own work. Let them do the detective work. Let them maybe issue some um, court orders if it's applicable, but you cannot treat the whole society and the whole concept of privacy as uh, as some bad element, as something that's nefarious or malicious. That's uh, just not how civilized society should work. And if we, uh, if we do that, if we accept that as the new norm, it's just uh, a way for Chinese type of uh, totality. And I don't think uh, Europeans should sink to that level. Yeah, because it, 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 it's a rabbit hole or a, a slippery slope into your thoughts not even being private and then thought crime becoming a thing. Um, there's a phrase by Eric Hughes that the joint market team always says, which is privacy is necessary for an open society in the electronic age. Privacy is not secrecy. A private matter is something one does, does not want the whole world to know, but a secret matter is something doesn't so something one doesn't want anyone to know. Privacy is the power to selectively reveal oneself to the world by Eric Hughes. And that's, that's so true. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, if you can't, if you can't um, protect, you know, yourself from, on, if you're on the toilet, you don't want anybody to be watching you take a dump, you know, like that's, yeah. that's private. That's not necessarily secret. So that's the way yeah. I like to explain it. All right, I've got 8% uh, battery remaining. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I can find the circuit. I forgot about it. Sorry. What are we at? We're wow. at 47 minutes. Oh, man, this has been a good conversation so far. Let me just get a couple more questions in. If you need to plug in, um, please do. But I guess I want to I move to Trezor for a second because, I mean, they've been a, uh, a pretty, what do you want to call it? What did I say? They've been... There's been a shining light in uh, industry of, of poor quality and scams. Like I, I went through a lot of hardware wallets when I was first figuring out Bitcoin and figuring out how to store it. And I bought everything from the uh, John McAfee scam wallet to, uh, you remember that one? I don't remember what it was called. To like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't want to remember. Um, my, my learning curve in terms of hardware wallets everything from buying hardware wallets that were compromised upon shipping 
from you know scams like the McAfee scam to hardware wallets that were more focused on a lot of um, other altcoins versus actually just Bitcoin. And then ones that you know didn't really have very good privacy practices, like the Ledger wallet, that they, all of our in- information got hacked as soon as you you bought it. So um, I, I'm really impressed with the the way that Trezor has kept um, the quality and the reputation. And um, I'm wondering how did you get involved with them, and you know what uh, what do you guys have in the future coming up? Right. So. How uh, I personally got involved is uh, I knew Slash and Stick for a couple of years. And when I started to be like more serious about Bitcoin, uh, writing uh, writing the book and uh, just being more vocal about it, they said they actually need someone like that for Trezor to basically represent the company uh, in podcasts, uh, in media, at, uh, at conferences. So that was the dream job, of course. Mm-hmm. And so here I am. And I would say um, the key to preserving the integrity and reputation of Trezor is the company uh, was always uh, founder owned since day one until until now. There is no uh, VC, there are no VCs involved. It's uh, all uh, fully owned and controlled by the founders, by Slash and Stick. And so you don't need to do any compromise regarding the vision and regarding like uh, the user focus. So that's that's pretty solid. Uh, the company just works on reinvested profits basically mm-hmm. uh, for for the whole nine years. And this can be uh, a little rough in the bear markets, but of course, since uh, this is uh, like a third bear market for the company, it's more sort of business as usual. Yeah. So the way it works is you make up uh, a treasure uh, war, uh, war chest during the bull market. You don't spend like crazy during, during the bull market. Uh, and then you can overcome the bear market period without uh, letting people go or without uh, foregoing investments and, and such. And yeah, I would like to also mention uh, Slash and Stick and several other people from the company are behind uh, the industry standard, standards like BIP39 or mnemonic seeds, uh, BIP44. I believe that's uh, uh, account hierarchy uh, and several other BIPs. Uh, the Shamir secret sharing was standardized by, uh, by uh, Trezor guys, uh, that's SLIP39. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's it's an honor for to work for the company, and uh, I'm trying uh, to keep the company on the right track uh, because there are a lot of distractions, of course, uh, compared to some uh, comp- competition. We are not focusing on Web3 or NFTs. Uh, <laughs> we are here for Bitcoin. That's good. That's that's good to hear. I mean, a lot of people see the the shiny stuff and get distracted, um, even if they started in Bitcoin. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. moving, moving back to the check for a second, um, where do you see, and I know that Trezor will probably play a part in this and slush and everything else that's there, um, general bytes, et cetera, but where do you see the country moving in terms of Bitcoin? Um, I guess what's the future with Bitcoin look like for the, for the Czech Republic? Uh, I say that because I can think of what it looks like for El Salvador. I can think of what it looks like for Africa. And for the U.S. to a lesser extent, because they're so they're laggard in this space. But where do you see Czech positioned in the next five to ten years, for example? Yeah, that's very hard. <laughs> that's very hard for me to tell. Um, I think, like, yeah, there's a portion of the population that simply gets it, that uh, saves in Bitcoin uh, every month, that isn't maybe. Uh, too vocal about it, uh, mm-hmm. that understands it might be dangerous for them to be too exposed as Bitcoiners. And I believe there are quite a lot of people like that because uh, the biggest Czech Bitcoin YouTuber has 90,000 subscribers, uh, which mm-hmm. is quite huge for like our little local language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bitcoin is pretty much mainstream here. Uh, and uh, at Czech Bitcoin conferences, you meet uh, so many people and you see how huge it actually is under the lid. Uh, so I can see uh, a part of the population being well 
shielded from anything that happens in terms of uh, recession, inflation, of uh, government going bankrupt or anything. But Czech Republic isn't too bad of in terms of uh, government debt. But yeah, things are deteriorating uh, here as well. And the other part of the population uh, that doesn't get it, that maybe thinks that Bitcoin is a scam or that they are too late and that we just got lucky, they will probably call for uh, taxation or some special taxation of Bitcoin, maybe even for confiscation. I am concerned about that in all the Western countries. Mm -hmm. And um, so there might uh, come time that uh, the Bitcoiners will have to leave these places for some uh, more civilized places in terms of uh, like uh, Bitcoin environment, which might be Africa, which might be Jamaica or Latin America, um, but the will probably not be, yeah. <laughs> will probably, it won't happen in Western Europe or US. Yeah. So I am, I would say, I, in general, I'm, an, I'm a very optimistic person, but in terms of how uh, European countries evolve and how the governments uh, perceive Bitcoin, how they um, approach the levels of debt and inflation and the um, pension li pensions liabilities. Uh, there's no like end, uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm kind of afraid um, if Bitcoin reaches, let's say, $1 million in 10 years, mm -hmm. it will become a prime target for you see these people have all the money and you've got nothing. Go get it. <laughs> that's that's what happens all the time throughout history. That's what the that's what the Nazis did. I'm kind of concerned about that, and I believe from personal perspective, it's good to consider uh, the option that you might actually move out uh, in some future at some future point. And there are places that uh, I think are more welcoming to Bitcoiners or freedom-minded people. But then again, um, the level of education in terms of Bitcoin is quite good in Czech Republic. Even the politicians are getting informed about it. Like mm -hmm. I said, the uh, Czech Central Bank is quite well informed. Mm -hmm. So I'm not too afraid of uh, the Czech establishment as such, maybe more of the European establishment, which is always like this. Um, for a lot of Czechs, um, we didn't accept the euro and we are sort of like Euro uh, skeptical towards European Union. For a lot of us, it's uh, like this huge boogeyman uh, above us, like the European Union. Uh, they might impose their regulations on us. And it's sort of sort of happening with uh, MICA, that's uh, the markets in crypto assets regulation that's mm -hmm. making uh, drink business in any kind of Bitcoin related stuff much harder uh, mm -hmm. in Europe in general. And that's coming for, from Europe, that's not coming from our legislators. Okay. So Czech Republic is quite, uh, quite sane in their like uh, handling of Bitcoin, but European Union, they are the crazy ones. Yeah, the final boss. Yeah, that's yeah, the last one. Yeah, the final boss. Yeah, Christine Lagarde. That's <laughs> that's the enemy. <laughs> yep. Okay, I got a couple more questions for you. Um, the first one would be more around. Uh, I guess it's uh, around your podcast. Uh, I know you have a big podcast in in the Czech Republic. Can you tell me more about it? And you know, what do you talk about? What are your guests like, etc. Right, so uh, it's in Czech, and uh, I've been running it for two years now. It's based on one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one discussions um, where we sit down in the studio. So it's like a Joe Rogan style of podcast. Nice. Okay. And the discussions can run uh, quite long. Like the longest one was about, about three hours. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, gradually invite uh, all like the major figures in Czech and Slovak Bitcoin space. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had Slash, for example. I had the founder of General Bytes, uh, some lawyers that are focusing on like Bitcoin blockchain uh, regulation and 
legal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of like hackers and people that are working on stuff like Blescomat on the Lightning ATM. And uh, at first I thought, uh, okay, there, ma- there might be like 20, 25, 30 people that are actually interesting in and are capable of going to podcasts and talking about Bitcoin in Czech. But right now I have about uh, almost 40 episodes nice. and I keep on meeting new and new Bitcoiners because uh, new Bitcoiners are just emerging just recently. I uh, met a guy who uh, just sat down and for six months he was writing a book about Lightning Network and it's the best book about Lightning Network I've ever seen. Like, yeah, And really? he even did like beautiful graphics. Uh, he made the whole thing, like the whole professional book and he's he's a developer he has been playing around with uh, lightning and full notes and stuff for a couple of years and everybody was asking him about okay how it works um, and he just sat down and wrote a perfect book and right now uh, with uh, our friends at brains uh, we are publishing the book in printed uh, print, printed format hopefully uh, it, right now it's just an ebook but it will be printed and yeah there are people like that that's we amazing. Just, is that book already just, published, or is it is it coming? Not yet. It's, okay. it's just in uh, just an ebook form. Uh, That's awesome. But it's in Czech, and uh, it's amazing how many uh, like hidden Bitcoiners there actually are, and that is probably the case all across the world. Like uh, the message is uh, is heard, I would say, by a lot of people. Not not a lot of people are like explicit bitcoiners mm-hmm. but a lot of people just do get it yeah which is which is amazing to to see and uh yeah and discussions with bitcoiners are never boring actually some of my episodes are not about bitcoin even uh i had a girl who does uh, she did professional horseback riding first mm-hmm. then she switched to mma as a less dangerous sport mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because she actually uh um, she says you get uh, broken bones from horseback riding all the time and concussions and stuff like that. And you don't get as much of it in MMA. <laughs> and, and she's a Bitcoiner and she's like a 19 year old girl and she's a Bitcoiner, MMA fight, fighter. And uh, yeah, and I, I witness this all the time that Bitcoiners tend to be very interesting people. Mm-hmm. So I get to discuss like uh, diet, exercise, sports, uh, business, investment, economics, history, uh, and it's uh, it's just Bitcoiners talking about various stuff. That's always interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and I'm, it's really cool to hear that people are also comfortable enough to you know come on podcasts and talk about it. Because before, I'd say probably six, seven years ago, as a Bitcoiner, you didn't feel comfortable being in the public in general, right? So it's a nice yeah. change that that's that's um. That's the thing, and I'm I'm looking forward to somehow translating your podcast and hearing it one day, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm not gonna learn Czech anytime soon. Might be fun. <laughs> it's it's probably not easy for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The other question I have for you is around the Czech as a tourist destination, and I hate using the word tourist because I always end up going to all the tourist traps in the very popular <laughs> places. But as a person that lives there. If I was to come or anybody what was to come and visit Prague or visit the general country, you know, maybe go to the countryside, where would you recommend they go? What places would they want to see? What's beautiful about the Czech Republic? Right. Um, well, Prague uh, has this uh, like beautiful aura of uh, medieval city. Partly it's medieval, partly it's... Um, like there's like uh, neo-gothic uh, uh, churches everywhere. It's beautiful. And what I personally like most about Prague is uh, the late 19th century architecture, uh, the residential buildings mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, in Vinohrady and Vršovice, parts of the city. That's where I live. And uh, yeah, the architecture, it's sound money architecture. 
like Seferdin sometimes says. And I like to take photographs yeah. of the sound, sound money architecture around the world. Uh, because you can really tell the difference if something was built under a gold money standard, as was the case uh, under Austrian Austro-Hungarian monarchy, that's before uh, before First World War. Mm -hmm. uh, me myself, I live in a housing building that's from 1904, and wow. it's just beautiful. And uh, yeah, you can really tell the difference. Like these people really built for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. It still works as a good housing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the layout of the rooms is good. Uh, the, the ceilings have proper height, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you have like these uh, double doors. And from the outside, of course, it's beautiful. So um, this is not like the tourist trap type kind of thing. If you go to, you know, Hradi, just walk the streets. There are a lot of uh, really good cafes around Prague. Uh, Czechs, especially from Prague, are uh, really sensitive about the coffee quality. So you mm -hmm. have a lot of nice cafes around here. And the architecture is beautiful. Just uh, take a look around, look up, and you will see sculptures and like the facades of the buildings. They are, it's all just beautiful art on the street. The one thing that popped up to me when I did a, a quick search was the astronomical clock. Which... Yeah, that's that's the usual touristy stuff. Okay. But yeah, it's 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 beautiful. It's fine if you have never seen that. I've seen that when I was like five years old. So <laughs> it's, it's not that interesting to me. But the whole uh, old town square, right? As I said, uh, the old town uh, square and the surrounding areas. That's more like medieval uh, and like 16th, 17th century these low like uh, type of buildings and mm -hmm. that's fine as well that's beautiful as well there are beautiful pubs in these kind of buildings and it has this like uh, old time feels and the new town what i called or it's called new town uh, part of prague that's mm -hmm. from like uh, late 19th early 20th century where mm -hmm. you have this beautiful architecture that i uh, talked about uh, and both like the old prague and the uh, new one are like really worth uh, visiting. Okay, that's Charles awesome. Bridge. Charles Bridge is fine. Uh, it's good to visit these places at like 7 a.m. So that okay. nobody's around yet. Just if pass by to... really quick and then go spend my time in the old town or the new town. And Yeah, if you go to Charles Bridge at 7 a.m., it's going to be very beautiful. You have this view of Hrachany, uh, of the Prague Castle. Uh, there's not going to be many people around. Vltava, the river, it's beautiful in the morning. Uh, yeah, there are swans swimming around uh, the river. Nice, nature. Yeah. Very nice. Well, man, this has been a great conversation. Um, the last thing I'll ask you is, you know, it's the usual um, question you ask a Bitcoiner at the end of a show. Wh what do you want to tell people in terms of, you know, Bitcoin, where we are today, you know, what to expect and, you know, any kind of advice you have for Jamaicans, for people in Czech, people around the world? Right. Um, I believe Matt Odell's Stay Humble and Stack Sets, that's always uh, worth repeating. Uh, so stay humble, stack sets, but stack them in a, in a hardware wallet, or if uh, that's maybe too expensive for you uh, and you don't have as, uh, as much Bitcoin to secure, mobile, wallet are, mobile wallets are fine. I recommend uh, Moon or Phoenix or Green by Blockstream. These are all solid wallets and I use them as well, but the main stash should be in Trezor in a hardware wallet. And uh, just adopt this long-term view. Go maybe read some Parker Lewis, Nick Batia, uh, Seyfedeen, and just understand this is here for a long run. Uh, you should consider Bitcoin as a savings tool, not as an investment or speculation. And have fun. Join Bitcoin Twitter, listen to the podcast, and maybe come to BTC Prague in June. Uh, there's going to be a huge conference. And Tell me about love that. To... Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's btcprague.com, I think, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it's btcprague.com. And the ambition is uh, to organize 
the largest Bitcoin gathering in Europe, larger than Bitcoin Amsterdam. Uh, the ambition is for us to have 10,000 people. And uh, it's an international conference held in English. And why in Prague? That's because the first Bitcoin conference in the world happened in Prague in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, Max Kaiser was there. And he sometimes repeats that on Twitter that I'm here in 2011 uh, having a talk about Bitcoin. And that was in Prague. So uh, this is sort of back to the roots after 12 years. Uh, the largest Bitcoin gathering in Europe is going to happen in June in Prague. And in terms of uh, advice for Jamaicans, um, I don't really like know <laughs> about the circumstances in Jamaica, but I believe like the basics apply everywhere. Stay humble, stack sets, self-custody, take a long-term view. Yeah, I agree, especially with the self-custody part. Um, the Jamaican uh, environment is very... I guess risk averse. Like a lot of people don't don't trust themselves, and they always want to, you know, custody here, custody there, Binance. Hopefully, you know. So hmm. I think the, a really good piece of advice is learn about self custody, take control of your own value, take control of your own time, take control of your own life. For yes, sure. uh, I believe for people that are afraid of uh, screwing up, uh, Moon is probably the best choice because hmm. I like uh, how. You have multiple ways how to back it up and you can back up the wallet through um, a username and password, which is like what people are accustomed to. And you can write down the seed and there is some third option, I believe. So um, they really thought that through. Uh, so I, I would maybe advise, take the first steps maybe with Moon, just with some small amounts, become comfortable with that. And then you can progress to uh, to a hardware wallet, then maybe to a passphrase, then maybe uh, a Shamir backup or a multisig. But the the first steps can be done with just downloading an app for your mobile phone. Yeah, great advice. And Moon is awesome. Um, it's M-U-U-N for people who are looking it up online. Not Moon like the one in the sky, but U-U instead of O-O. It's super easy to use. So download it and use it. You might like it. You will like it, yeah. I think. Definitely. Joseph, what an amazing convo, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Um, we'll be talking a lot more, but until then, my bridging, one love. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. And I really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, man. All right. Take care.